0: Thank you, Brother Ed, for leading us in worship this morning, and Brother Ken for that timely communion thought. We appreciate you. So I've got a long sermon prepared and a short sermon prepared. Which one do you want? Don't answer that. Don't answer that. Don't, don't, don't answer that. <laughs> I want to say good morning and welcome to the Mission Viejo Church of Christ. What a great day to be in the house of the Lord. Amen? Amen. If you're visiting with us for the first time, we want to let you know that you are our honored guests, and that you're always welcome to this church building whenever the doors are open. And we believe you've come to the right place because I don't think you'll find a finer church in all of the world. Amen. So we are thankful that you are here with us this morning. So the story goes that there was a preacher who was visiting a sick church member in the hospital. And as this woman was laying in her hospital bed, there was a bowl of peanuts right next to her, and the preacher started to reach in and eat the peanuts while he was talking to the lady who was in the hospital. And he was eating away and talking to her, and then he noticed that he ate all the peanuts that were in the bowl for the lady who was in the hospital. And he turned to her and said, ma'am, I'm sorry, I just ate all your peanuts. She said, that's all right, I licked all the chocolate off of them already, so it's not a big... It's not a big deal. (laughs) You know, the moral of the story is people don't care if you eat their peanuts. They just want to know that you care about them, amen? So in order to advance the borders of the kingdom and to grow the church, we have to be very intentional in our efforts to love one another. And I think Vacation Bible School was a really good example of that. With our 50-plus volunteers and our 45 registered kids, we came out and we did some really, really fun work this, this Vacation Bible School by canvassing various communities. We've given you tasks and things of that nature, and it paid off. And I'm so, so proud of our church for their willingness to take a risk and to try something different this year with Vacation Bible School and because of that, it got me thinking about this theme, this theme of summer outreach, right? We've got a few more weeks before school starts. Praise the Lord, hallelujah, if you're a parent. No, I'm just joking. We, we've got a few more weeks before, uh, before school starts. So with the time that we have on our hands, I think it'd be proper for us to really think through this process of how do we reach people uh, during this time of year, I want to look at a couple of passages of Scripture this morning to really kind of flesh out this idea, and then the message will be yours. The first passage of Scripture is found in Acts chapter 20 and verse number 24. And I really appreciate this text. And by the way, in your bulletin this morning, you have a sermon outline. You can take that out and follow along with us and fill out some of the principles that are highlighted in red this morning. The Scripture says in Acts chapter 20 and verse number 24, However... I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. You see, Paul was fresh off of having to deal with an uproar, and really Acts chapter 19 and 20, there was a big uproar that was happening in Ephesus, and it was caused by a man by the name of Demetrius. If you look back at your Bibles, Demetrius was a man who was an idol maker. He was able to take metal and fashion it into an idol. And Paul came preaching the good news of Christianity, and people were converting to Christianity and no longer needed idols, right? So this man Demetrius was super upset and caused an uproar In Ephesus because he was losing money while people were turning to Christianity later on we read that Paul goes into Troas and was preaching a very very long sermon and a guy fell asleep and fell out of the window do you remember that guy's name his name was Eutychus right so if Paul couldn't even keep people awake I'm, I'm not too bothered okay this morning if you get a little dozy but this guy fell out of the window named Eutychus you remember and Paul went up to him and revived him he came back to life right Just a caution, don't fall asleep during the sermon. Amen. And then we continue on to chapter 20, and we see Paul give a farewell to the Ephesian elders because he said he probably wouldn't see them again before he died. And I love his message to them, and this is what he says in Acts chapter 20 and verse number 24. And thinking about all this and the experiences that he had, I consider my life... Worth nothing to me. And the only thing that was important to him was to make sure that he was able to testify about the good news of Jesus Christ. I wonder if we feel the same way this morning. Is our whole purpose and reason for existence to testify about what God has done for us in our lives? I don't know. I would hope and pray and think that all of us would have this same heart, the same intention in mind. Look, the very reason that I'm here in the world today, the flesh today, with the time that I have, is to make sure that I tell somebody about Jesus. But I think sometimes we fall short of this and we lose sight of this because Satan is good at what he does. You see, I believe all of us have a powerful testimony that needs to be shared with other people. And I think this morning that we'll look through a couple of passages of Scripture that will help us really try to figure out how to do this, this this difficult job, this difficult task of testifying about what God has done for us in our lives. If God has done something for you, and he's blessed you in tremendous ways, you ought to tell people about that. Because our God is good, and he's worthy of praise. Mark chapter 12 and verse number 31 says this, The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. And we know the first greatest commandment, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And then the second is important as well, and the second is to make sure that we do our best to love our neighbors more than ourselves. And that's hard to do sometimes. I saw my nosy neighbor at Target the other day. (laughs) Just bear with me, yes, I called him nosy, forgive me, okay? So I'm at Target the other day. This neighbor loves to peek in my front yard to see what I'm doing, right? Sometimes I'll catch him listening outside of my window, right, and I told him my name is Jason about 10 times. He still calls me James, I can't take it, right? (laughs) I saw him at Target the other day, and I said, oh, there he goes and I know he saw me, and I decided to hide behind the DVDs real quick. <laughs> Terrible, right? Terrible. And, and, and I caught myself, right? I caught myself. I didn't want to engage with this man because if he called me James one more time, right? And I caught myself hiding from him, and that's, that's wrong, right? That's completely and utterly wrong, But what it got me thinking about is, look, all of us, we struggle sometimes with this principle or this idea of loving our neighbors because people are messy and difficult, amen. And this is a hard task, and sometimes we become so calloused and jaded that we want nothing to do with our neighbors. But Jesus says, look, the second greatest command, one of the greatest things that you do in life is to make sure you love your neighbor as yourself. And this This task is given to us as believers in in Jesus Christ. I want to take a look at a story where we see this this task of loving our neighbors illustrated in such a very powerful and moving way in the Scripture. And the Scripture that I want to look at is actually found in Mark chapter 2, verses 1 through 6. I'm not going to change the slides just yet because I want you to turn to your Bibles or get on your iPads or your iPhones and follow along with me as we look at Mark chapter 2 verses 1 through 6. is a story of Jesus healing a paralytic. And the Bible says here, a few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. So many gathered that there was no room left, not even outside the door, and he preached the word to them. Some men came, bringing to him a paralytic, carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus, and after digging through it, lowered the mat the paralyzed man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, "'Son, your sins are forgiven.'" Now, some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And if you guys continue to read on, you know, later on in this story, Jesus actually heals this man, and this man takes up his mat, and he goes home. I think this is a powerful story of how four individuals decided to love their neighbor more than their selves, themselves. And this is a powerful story of, of, of human determination to get others to the cross, to get others to Jesus. You see, the, the story is, is really neat. Capernaum, if you didn't know, was a fishing community. Kind of like, I used to live in San Pedro, kind of like San Pedro, where, where everybody knows everybody, right? This wonderful fish community, everybody knew everybody. It was located, Capernaum was located on the north side of the Sea of Galilee, and it was was a pretty small community as well. It was the home, if you didn't know, of the apostles Peter, Andrew, James, and John. So when Jesus comes into town, everybody in Capernaum knew that this individual was coming, and there, there was some excitement in so much that there were lines lined up to go hear this man, this man preach. They wanted to see what he was all about and what his message was. It was standing room only, if you can kind of paint this picture in your mind. And there was this paralytic... And we don't know the condition of this man or why he was paralyzed or what happened. And typically, when it came to people with deformities, you know what the Pharisees, Sadducees, scribes, Herodians, teachers of the law would say about someone who had a physical ailment? They're sinners. That's why they're like that. That's why physically they have problems, because they've had sin in their lives, and typically what people did is they avoided and stayed away from people with problems like that. Instead, choosing to live in their own holy huddles, they stayed They stayed away. And this paralytic is so interesting, is he wanted to come to Jesus and to see who he was, but he couldn't make it on his own. And it got me thinking about the suffering that he must have endured over the years and years. And he had a problem that he needed help with. And what he needed was another person to carry him to Jesus. And you know, all of us have burdens, and sometimes the problems that we have get so heavy and so difficult for us to carry by ourselves and isn't it wonderful when you have people there beside you to help carry the burdens in your life that you're struggling with carrying? I'm so thankful for my wife. You guys don't even know, right? Mary has helped me carry some of the most toughest burdens that I've ever had in my life. I'm so thankful for my mom and dad. I'm so thankful for my friends and coworkers that have helped carry me when I, I, I didn't know how to get through the situation, Right? Don't you love when you have someone there that's willing to help carry your load and your burden when you can't make it by yourself? There's something that is so powerful and moving about that. And what I love about the God that we serve is he says that's, we're in, that's what the, we're in that business as a church. We're in the business of going out and helping people carry their burdens. And it got me thinking, who are you faithful for? that has helped carry you along in life. All of us have them. We could probably think of people right now that have helped carry our burdens when you were spiritually paralyzed. And sometimes we find ourselves in conditions where, where we really can't help ourselves, and we need other people in our lives to help us. And here enter into the story the faithful four. And what I love about this text is when Jesus saw this situation, whose faith did he notice? Jesus saw their faith. And I thought that was interesting. You see, the paralytic came and obviously he had faith. He wanted to be healed. But what Jesus thought was so neat is that these four men had some faith to bring this paralytic to him, to dig a hole in the roof and to lower this man down. They said, we're not going to stop at anything to make sure we get this man to Jesus. And Jesus said, man, I see their faith, and that's powerful. And I hope and pray that's the type of faith that the Lord sees from us here at the Mission Viejo Church of Christ, that we won't stop at anything to make sure that we get people to Jesus. We get people to Jesus. So this morning, uh, I want to leave you with some practical information and, uh, and then close, because uh, I don't want to I don't want to be up here too long. Uh, we're, we're running late in the hour, so you guys bear with me. But I want to look at uh, some practical, practical application this morning on how I think outreach works, okay? Uh, so you guys follow along with me. I've got a couple of things that I want to look at from this story that I think help paints a picture of what outreach looks like for the Christian, okay, and what God expects from us. First of all, when we look at this story, what we see is we see four individuals looking at a man who couldn't help himself through eyes of compassion. And how many of us constantly keep our spiritual glasses on to look at people through eyes of compassion? It's hard to do because sometimes we get taken advantage of, sometimes we get cheated, sometimes we see this or see that. So when we view people, oftentimes it's through the lenses of being cynical rather than through the lenses of being compassionate. And I guarantee you all of us here this morning know someone who is hurting spiritually. We have family members, friends, co-workers, and people we meet in passing who are struggling and they're spiritually paralyzed with whatever they're going through. Maybe it's lack of joy, anxiety, fear, depression, anger, marital problems, problems raising their children, financial difficulty, etc., etc. There are people that are going through stuff. You see, when I first, I'm going to be transparent, when I first moved to South Orange County, I said, I've reached the promised land, right? Some of you guys felt that way too. I was living in San Pedro, right? San Pedro, South LA, right? Right? and and problems everywhere they're just all over the place right right outside of Long Beach that's where I was living right and then when I saw Orange County you know when you drive the 405 and you leave LA and enter into Orange County you're like oh right the the roads open up you see Disneyland you're like this is the promised land right man I finally made it right (laughs) and then you get down here and you're like man nobody has any problems down here until you get to know people amen and then you realize that there's people with problems everywhere. Some just mask it better than others. But if we put our spiritual glasses on, we know that everybody needs Jesus. Everybody. And we've got to make sure that we view people through the eyes of compassion. And that's been a steep learning curve that I've been kind of understanding over my time of living down in this region. What else do we need to do? How does outreach work? Well, outreach works through utilizing the team approach. When I told some of our church members that we were going to go canvassing and I wanted them to sign up, some people took off so fast, looked like they were running in the Olympics, right? They're right, gone, right? And what I realized is that, look, sometimes canvassing is scary for people. Door knocking is scary for some people, and they, they don't want any part of that, right? I, I, I'm not going to do that. That's, that's nerve wracking. But you know, a lot of times when it comes to outreach and evangelism, what makes things easy is when you have a team of people there with you. So as we went canvassing, um, you know, a couple weekends ago, I said to our team, let's make sure we go out in twos. Brian goes rogue and goes by himself because that's the type of spirit that he has. But anyway, I said, let's make sure we go in twos or threes. And guess what? It made the process of talking to people and encountering people much easier, didn't it? that fear was gone. And I think that's why Jesus uses this strategy oftentimes. He says, go in twos, and you go talk to and reach people. And we have a wonderful body of believers here at Mission Viejo Church of Christ. We have a wonderful group of people here, and I think you should be excited about inviting your neighbors, coworkers, and friends to this church. I think you should be excited about it, Right? And if you're not excited about it, I would say, well, what's causing us from being excited about it? And I think we need to get into the habit of inviting people into this spiritual journey that we're on so that they can meet Jesus. And I think a great way to do that is to make sure we invite people and get them plugged into the church here. And I appreciate those of you who work so hard very often to invite people here. And I'm thankful to our visitors here this morning. Thank you for being here. And then also what I think about is, you know, whenever you're trying to get people to Jesus or help people come to Jesus, there's always obstacles in the way. It's never easy. It's never easy. It's not supposed to be easy. It's supposed to be hard. When you're saying to Satan, look, you can no longer have this individual. I'm taking them to Jesus. Satan goes, oh, no, you're not. No, you're not. And there's obstacles in the way. Satan will always put obstacles our way when it comes to reaching people for the Lord. And we can't get discouraged and we can't give up. You know, churches are closing their doors left and right all the time today because they've given up on the culture. They say this culture is, 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 this is just the times that we're living in. People don't come to church anymore. This is a post-Christian nation. So what we begin to do is we begin to give up. When God says, all it takes is, Faith the size of a mustard seed, and God says, I'm in charge anyway. Right? So we've got to make sure we're in the business of overcoming these obstacles and hurdles that come our way. And then lastly, we need to praise God for the transformation. You know, we're all guilty of sin, and there is nothing that we can do to save ourselves. We need God's unconditional love and His forgiveness through Jesus Christ. And there is nothing more infectious, I'm telling you, than seeing Christians excited about Jesus because of the transformation that has been taking place in their lives. But I think sometimes we lose sight of our salvation. We forgot the joy of our salvation, right? It's amazing to see Christians, when they first become Christians live out their lives they're so excited because they said i've been carrying this weight and this sin for so long and jesus came and he took it away and i'm so excited and i'm so thankful and i'm so so blessed and sometimes we lose that so we've got to continually praise god for the transformation that we see in our lives and in the lives of other people but sometimes we act like the lady who was bit by the rabbit dog you heard that story right Oh, let me tell you the story. There was a lady who got bit by a dog and she went into the doctor's office and the doctor said, ma'am, I've got some really bad news for you. You have rabies and you're going to die. And she said, oh no. So he said, you better get your affairs in order. So she took out a piece of paper while she was in the doctor's office and she started writing this long list, long list. And she was back there for like 25 minutes And the doctor came back in and he said, what's all that writing for? What are you doing? She said, I'm making a list of all the people I want to bite before I die, right? (laughs) You know, the thing about death when it comes to the Christian is we don't have to worry. Death is just a part of life, isn't it? It's just one of those transitional processes And we got a home prepared for us that is way better than anything here in the world. So Christians should be filled with joy. But sometimes we look so sour and upset like we've been drinking pickle juice our whole lives, right? We we are, why? We should have this joy, a sense of peace and confidence about us. So when people encounter us, they go, man, that person is so different. I want what they have. And I hope that's what people experience when they come into our church the powerful transformation that is going on in our lives that makes us infectious type of people. And then lastly, as we close this morning, I always want to give you some practical application, okay? Practical application. Final verse that I want to end with uh, this morning is uh, Matthew chapter 19 and verse number 26. Uh, and I really appreciate this passage because I read this from time to time and it just puts me in the right place, in the right space. I don't know about you, sometimes I get frustrated in life, Right? There are things that are not going my way. I'm upset about this, upset about that. And it gets me into this space. And when I read this text, it says something so interesting. Jesus looked at them and said, with man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. He reminded me again of of canvassing for Vacation Bible School. We had this wonderful plan that we were going to go over to the apartment complex and go reach people and and, and interact with people. And there were some of us that were going, this is not going to work this is not going to work because people are going to confuse us with being Mormon or Jehovah's Witness or a salesperson, right? This is not going to work. We're going to turn people away and we're going to turn people off. And we had to remind ourselves, look, through the human lenses and human eyes, that's probably the case. But we work for God and with God, all things are possible. So we went over there and we had about four or five kids from the apartment complex come over and their parents dropped them off. They felt safe. Here's my kids, take them, right? <laughs> And then the next day, they invited their friends, and it just reminded me that, look, with God, anything is possible. We put limits, and we put boundaries. So I really, I really want us to get us in, in this habit of thinking about how we do outreach during the summer, okay? We've got a few more weeks before the summer closes. I want to make sure that you get excited and fired up about reaching people. Thank you for bringing and inviting the visitors that we have today. Awesome, awesome job. The reason why I want to get us thinking in this, in this mindset is we're going to have a back-to-school, or back-to-school, you see what I'm thinking about, back-to-church, back-to-church uh, Sunday, I believe on, uh, is it September 11th, Alicia, is what we're planning? And what we want to do is we want to make sure and, and work really hard to, to pack this church building out, okay? So I'm, I'm giving you advance notice. September of the 11th, we want you to invite one or two Or three people, and we're gonna see how many people we can get into this church building, okay? For back to church and back to school, Amen Sunday. So, as always, I wanna leave us with some practical application as we close and thinking about outreach, okay? What can I do to get involved in this idea of outreach this week, this summer outreach? Uh, There's a couple of things that I want you to do, okay? Some really simple things and really practical things. If you're on social media, and you have not liked the church Facebook page, make sure you get on there and you like our church's Facebook page. And if you haven't already, I'm going, what, you don't like us? Make sure you get on there and like the church Facebook page, okay? Please do that. And then, what I want you—you you can even do that right now, right? Some of y'all on your phones anyway. Go, just do it right now. It doesn't bother me, right? You're ahead of the game. It's like doing your homework early get on there. Like the Facebook page of our church. And then what I want you to put on your timeline or your social media timeline is, I was so thankful to be at the Mission Viejo Church of Christ today. You know, all your friends within your group or circles will see that, right? And they'll say, well, that was a nice, nice thing, right? So I want you to do that this week if you're willing to do that. Like our page and share that you are excited about being here today. Great way to do outreach from the comfort of your own home, right? Number two, what else can you do? Uh, I want you to write down, if you can do this, write down one person, one person that you're going to invite to church on September the 11th for Back to Church Sunday. Just write down one person that comes to your mind that you think you can invite. And it's not the person that you haven't been inviting for years. And you, That's cool. That's cool. You know, if it, you know we, we're excited about that. But think about somebody different that you can that you can invite to church on that day, okay? And then, lastly, as we close this morning, one more one more thing. Uh, I want you to come up, if you're willing to do this, come up with an idea or a ministry event that you will think uh, that you think will draw more people to our church. Now, when we say draw people to our church, we're not thinking just in terms of numbers, but we're thinking about the, the context here. We want people to come here so that we can introduce them to Jesus. And I know there are many of you with all kind of ideas, all kind of ideas and thoughts on how we can reach people. If you have an idea that has been churning on your heart or thinking about, what I want you to do is I want you to write that thought down and then you can email me this week with your idea, your ministry idea. Just email me. Hey, Jason, I was thinking about this. What do you think? I'd love to hear from you. And maybe we can implement some of those ideas. So can you guys do those three things this week? Just think through that. And I think you'll go a long way to thinking through this process of summer, summer outreach. By way of invitation this morning, I appreciate you. Uh, we're, we're, we're almost at 12 o'clock and nobody has fallen asleep or fell out of the pew Right? So we're so thankful that you decided to stay with us and be participants of our service this morning. If there is anyone here that needs to respond to the message this morning, some of our elders would be sitting on the front pew here with their wives, some in the back. If you need to respond to the message at all, we give you this time during the song of invitation to come. The church will pray with you, will pray for you to encourage you and to build you up. This morning, if you're not a Christian and you've been thinking about becoming a Christian and you want to give your life to Jesus Christ, you know what you got to do you got to hear believe repent confess be baptized that's the plan of salvation baby yes i did say it right i think it's right i think that's the right process the right step come forward we'll baptize you in water today and you can be added to the kingdom whatever your needs or concerns are won't you come together while we stand and sing the song of imitation? i hear the savior say thy strength indeed is small Child of weakness, watch and pray, find